Welcome to the Valley Brook Community Church Podcast, and thank you for joining us online today. You're about to hear a sermon from our sermon series entitled 40 Days of Prayer. This series focuses on learning to pray with more confidence and greater faith than ever before. We hope you find this podcast meaningful. We'd love to hear how God is touching people's lives. Just go to our website at www.valleybrook.cc, select Contact Us, and send us an email. Good morning, everybody. It's good to see you here. Hey, I want to give a big shout out to our volunteers and our staff who cleared all the snow away today. So can we just show them our appreciation? We're in the midst of this series, actually bringing it to a close here, 40 Days of Prayer. And during this uh, time, we've encouraged people to share with one another what God's doing in their lives and and, uh, talk about uh, how God's answered prayers or what he's doing and also to share your prayer requests. That's what all the post-it notes are on the wall. We've been praying uh, for one another, and I would encourage you after the service, if you have some time, just to to spend praying over those prayer requests. But this morning, I'm going to ask Mark Denalis to come, and he's going to share with us uh, a story that he came and shared with me uh, a couple of weeks ago, and it was really cool because it all started when uh, he shared this photo that's going to go on the screen behind me. And so, Mark, just tell us a little bit about this photo that's up there. Okay, so uh, that's Peter on the far right. He's the oldest out of the four brothers, and me, Mark, second, and Stephen, which is third, and the youngest, Jimmy. All right, and what's going on there? Uh, Let's see, so... uh, most nights before bed, mom would always say, go wash up, get your pajamas on, go in your room, and pray. All right. And so we did. That's cool. So I'll and share. Yeah, yeah, the Lord spoke to you about this. Yeah, so um, probably about five, six years ago, I, I was over Stephen's house in uh, Longmeadow at the time, and he uh, had some pictures on the dining room table there, and it happened to be there like at 10 o'clock at night, and these pictures showed up out of nowhere from like 45 years ago, and they are there, and I'm going through them, and there was one specific one, that one there, that just jumped out at me, and there was something I just said, take it. So I took it home, and so the next day, uh, I was in my office in the morning, and I was just like overtaken, and it was just like the Holy Spirit just spoke to me about that picture. I spun around, the picture was sitting there, and what the Lord was showing me in that picture was that um, it's like he took me to Matthew 6, 6. It says, but when, but you, when you pray, go into your room, and when you have shut your door, pray to your Father who is in the secret place, and your Father who sees in a secret will reward you openly. Yeah. And then I looked at the picture and was like, that's what we used to do. We used to go in our room yeah. and pray. And, and our Father heard us. And the prayer that we always prayed was, uh, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. So what the Lord was telling me there was that I heard your prayer from 45 years ago. And I delivered you from the evil one because I got saved 10 years ago. And the Lord delivered me from a life of total destruction for me and my whole family. But he delivered us all. And um, I just wanted to share also... 
you know, how do you, how do you like pray, you know? It's just basically if you get in a word every day, you're obedient to the word and, and you talk to God, he'll lead you into all truth. And so in John 16, 13, it says, however, when he, the spirit of truth has come, he will guide you into all truth for he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak and he will tell you things to come. So that was just an amazing testimony, but also to encourage people to don't stop praying. Even when you don't hear something, it doesn't come in our timing, but just to continue to pray because there's so many things that he has to work out in each and every one of us and other people around you, but your prayers are heard and just to encourage you to continue to pray and not give up. It was such a cool story, and that's why I wanted him to share it with you, because just a couple of things. I mean, so that's, that's the four Denalis boys, and, uh, you know, the two in the middle have come to faith in Christ, um, and the other two have, have yet to accept Christ. But, but, I, but I think about this, you know, um, your parents were faithful, and they said, you know, we're going we're gonna to have you guys pray. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, and two, have, two, of the, two of the prayers have been answered for two mm-hmm. of you and, and not for the other not two the other of you. Two yet. But there's this idea that we continue to persist and right. we pray. And, and, you know, there's an encouragement for parents out there. Um, you know, sometimes you feel like you pray for your kids and, and you don't know if it's effective. And, and if you're like me, you want immediate results. But 40-some years for you mm-hmm. and, and still going for uh, mm-hmm. two of your brothers. Yep. Uh, and so uh, I just want to encourage you to persist in prayer and, and set aside your expectation of how that prayer is going to be answered and let God be God and, and trust him. So I, I want to close in prayer uh, and pray for your brothers and just pray for blessings on your family. Thank you. Father, I'm just so grateful for Mark's story. And, and Lord, how you answered the prayer of his parents as they encouraged them to pray to you. And Lord, I'm grateful that he and his brother have come to faith in you. And I pray for his other two brothers that they would come to faith, Lord, that we would see that uh, soon, Lord. So we ask for blessings on them. I'm, I'm so thrilled for what you've done in Mark's life and in his family. And I ask for continued blessings on them in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank, Thank you for sharing. Thank you. Yeah. Let's show my appreciation. So this, as I said, the last message in this series where we've set aside 40 days to focus on prayer. There's a verse that I want to remind you of from the prophet Jeremiah, chapter 33, verse 3. And this is what God says. Call to me and I will answer you. Call to me and I will answer you. That's a promise. That's a promise to each and every one of us that God will answer our prayers. So we need to hang on that promise and we need to pray. Now, this morning, before I get into the the main points, I I just want to deal with the issue that we all face is, you know, how does God answer prayers? Well, you know, God sometimes says yes. God sometimes says, wait, as we see here with Mark's brothers. And then God says, sometimes he says no. So let's just, let's Talk about when God answers yes. When God answers yes, oh man, it's awesome, isn't it? You know, we're excited, we're thrilled, we rejoice, we're relieved, and we're just excited about what he's done. But think this one through. When God says yes, it's because we're 
praying in accordance with his plan, with his will. And that means that that answered prayer comes with it, a responsibility to the one who answered that prayer and from the one who received that yes. So when God says yes, as you step into that reality of what that answered prayer is, you need to honor and glorify God with that. Jesus said this, if God has been generous to you, he will expect you to serve him well. So if God has been generous to you and answered your prayer as you desired, then you need to serve him well, to honor and glorify him. I, I experienced this firsthand in my life. Uh, it's some 20 years ago now when I began to sense uh, a desire, a passion for starting a new church. And part of that came because I realized that one of the most effective ways to bring people to a saving faith in Jesus was by starting a new church. That that, that was one of the ways to best ways to reach people for Christ. And, and as I began to think about that, it sort of became an unspoken prayer that God would uh, let me plant a church someday. But, you know, my an initial answer to that unspoken prayer appeared to be no. Uh, there wasn't an opportunity. I, I, I went to uh, those folks in the group of churches that I was a part of, and, and they said, no, we, we can't do that. And, uh, you know, I, I was a little discouraged, but I said, you know what, I'm going to learn everything I can about church planting. So I, I basically went back to school and, and learned everything I could because I really sensed that this was something that was really important uh, for me. And so I couldn't quite figure it out if it was a no or a wait, but, but I went ahead and, and persisted in what I was doing and learning. And there came a point in that time with God where I sensed God was saying yes, but I also sensed that God was saying, it's not right now, so what are you going to do while you're still pastoring this church, while you're still leading this church. It, honestly, it was sort of a, an integrity crisis for me because I'd been living for something in the future, something that didn't exist while I was pastoring a church that did exist. And so I really had to buckle down and say, you know what, I'm going to learn, I'm going to take everything I've learned and I'm going to apply it and help this church do what God wants it to do. And so that's what I did. You know, God said yes, but he also said, you know, are you going to honor me until I release you to plant what eventually became Valley Brook? So when God says yes, we have to recognize that it's going to come with an opportunity to give him glory. Sometimes God's going to give us an answer that says, wait, uh, what do you do when the answer you're seeking doesn't come? Now, Think about it this way. You know, I bet many of you have prayed for something that was a clear answer of yes or no. Maybe, for instance, you prayed for a job, and in a matter of days, you were either offered that position or you weren't offered that position. But what about when the answer isn't that clear? You know, as I've been praying over these prayer requests along the wall, you know, it became clear to me that, that uh, some of these prayer requests aren't brand new. Uh, you were inviting us to join you in a prayer that you've been praying for some time and you've been waiting uh, for God to answer that prayer. So what do you do when the answer doesn't seem to come, when God seems to be 
saying, wait. Well, an unanswered prayer doesn't mean no. What it does mean is that we need to persist in prayer. In the Gospel of Luke, chapters 18 and 11, we see Jesus teach that we're supposed to persist in prayer. And in both the Old and the New Testaments, we see where persistence in prayer is something that we're supposed to do. Let me just point out one verse in the book of Ephesians. It says, pray passionately in the Spirit as you constantly intercede with every form of prayer at all times. You can't get around that. It's about praying, persisting in prayer, constantly interceding with every form of prayer. You know, as followers of Jesus Christ, that's what we're supposed to be about. We're supposed to be people of prayer. So when we don't seem to be getting an answer, God seems to be saying, wait, we need to keep on praying. If you can't tell if God has answered with a yes or a no, then keep on praying. All right. So what about when God answers no? Sometimes God does answer prayer with a no. Uh, I, I suspect most of you haven't paid attention to the number of times in Scripture where uh, men and women of faith received a no to their prayers. Uh, that doesn't surprise me because quite often we don't notice when somebody else gets a no. We, we experience it. But when you look at Scripture... Even Jesus, the Son of God, uh, was given a no. Now, it can be confusing for us uh, when we receive a no, because after all, we say, well, you know, isn't what I'm praying about ultimately good? Isn't it for God's glory? I mean, if we have an all-loving God, an all-powerful God, why would he say no? And it brings up more questions. Questions like this. Uh, why do some people get miracles and others don't? Why, when we pray for people who are sick, some of them get well and some of them die? Why do some people get relief from their pain and others don't? Why do some couples pray for a child and they get a child while others, uh, sincere and claiming the same promises of God, don't get a child? And their hearts are broken by that. Receiving a no from God is hard. It's painful. But as I mentioned we need to remember that Jesus himself uh, received a no. Remember when he was in the garden and he was praying and his, his disciples had fallen asleep. Remember what his prayer was? He said this, Abba, Father, everything is possible for you, Father. Take this cup from me. And God's answer was no. There's a few obvious answers uh, that I hope we all see. Uh, you know, there are times when it, we, we understand from just our, our human logic why sometimes uh, there's a no. Because sometimes we pray for things that if we get the answer that we want, somebody else may be praying for the exact opposite. I, I don't know if some of you were praying about the Super Bowl, uh, but if you were praying for the Patriots, uh, my guess is that there were Eagles fans Praying for the eagles. You know, somebody's going to get a yes and somebody's going to get a no. Um, so there are times when we pray for things like that. But, but here's an, another reason. Um, sometimes we pray prayers that if God answered it the way we wanted him to do, it would take away another person's God-given free will. Think that one through. 
God's not going to take away your free will to make you do something that you don't want to do. But maybe you've prayed a prayer like that, you know, where God would do something. I have a friend uh, in Minnesota who's just crazy about Prince Harry. And uh, I don't know if she uh, ever prayed that God would let her marry Prince Harry. Um, but she's not getting married to him. She's not Meghan Markle. She's not getting married to him. God did not change Prince Harry's free will to choose who he's going to marry. You know, so God's not going to change our, our free will. So when, when God says yes to our prayers, it's obvious that we're in alignment with God. But does God sometimes ask us to wait or say no? Yes, he does. So we're going to look specifically at prayer from God's point of view and then from our point of view. So let's start with God. From God's point of view, here's the first thing that I want you to see. God sees the big picture. God sees the big picture. One of the attributes of God is that God is omniscient. That means he's all-knowing. He knows everything. There's no limitations to what he can see about the past, about the present, about the future. He knows everything that happened in the past. He knows everything that's happening in the present. And he knows everything that's happening in the future. He can see what's going to happen tomorrow, what's going to happen next week, what's going to happen next year, what's going to happen 100 years from now. God is all-knowing. So God understands things that we can't begin to comprehend. He sees the big picture. In Scripture, it says this, nothing in all creation is hidden from God. Everything is naked and exposed before his eyes, and he is the one to whom we are accountable. In other words, God can see everything. Because God sees everything, sometimes God doesn't answer the prayer that you pray the way you want him to because he sees what you don't see. You see your problem with your limited perspective, and you don't see the unintended consequences of what you're asking. God sees what the consequences would be if you got that. He can see every prayer request and how it would start a chain reaction. You don't see it, but he does. He knows how that decision that you're asking him to make on your behalf would change your future and your children's future and your grandchildren's future and your great-grandchildren's future and on and on. You can't see that. So sometimes God says no or wait because he sees what you and I don't see. I think about the Apostle Paul. When you read through the New Testament, you know, uh, most of the New Testament was written by the Apostle Paul. When you read through his letters, you see one of the things that the Apostle Paul really wants to do is he wants to go to Rome. The reason he wants to go to Rome is because Rome was the center of the Roman Empire. It was the capital. It was where Caesar lived. And it, he knew that if he went to Rome, he could share the gospel of Jesus Christ and influence literally thousands of people. And those people would take them to the ends of the Roman Empire. I'm sure he had a dream that maybe he could preach the gospel of Jesus in the great Colosseum of Rome. But he never got to make a trip on his own to Rome. When he did go to Rome, he didn't go on his own. He went as a prisoner. 
He, he went and he was under house arrest. He was going to be uh, tried in Rome. And so he didn't have his freedom. He couldn't go out and preach in the Colosseum or on the streets. He had no ability to do that because he was under arrest. But while he was under house arrest, he wrote a third of the letters in the New Testament that were written by him. And think that one through. You know, if he had preached in the Colosseum, several thousand people probably would have heard the gospel. But now, for over 2,000 years, millions upon millions of people have been able to read God's word as it was dictated from God through the pen of Paul. And we have that, and it's changed people's lives, changed their eternal destinations. So we need to understand that God saw the big picture, and in Paul's life, there was a reason why he didn't get to Rome the way he wanted to get there. Here's the second thing we need to understand. God has the best plan for us. You know, it, it's our human nature that whenever we pray, we pray with the answer already in mind. But is our answer the best answer? Is it the best plan? Through the prophet Isaiah, God said these things. My thoughts are nothing like your thoughts, and my ways are far beyond anything you could imagine. For just as the heavens are higher than the earth, so my ways are higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. In other words, what we want may not be aligned with what God wants for us, and so we need to trust that God's answer may not be what we expected. I experienced that firsthand. Cynthia and I did. When we, we moved here in 1999 to start what became Valley Brook. And we gathered together with a, a core group of people who shared the same vision that we had. And as we met weekly, uh, during the week, we met and we prayed and we, we planned. And we sensed that we were supposed to start Valley Brook on Easter Sunday in the year 2000. So we began to make plans. Uh, we talked to the local school district and we wanted to begin meeting months ahead of Easter so we can sort of basically have some trial runs of what it was like to, to uh, do church together. Um, the first Sunday we gathered in that school, uh, the superintendent had arranged for us to have three rooms, but the custodian would only unlock two rooms. It was a little strange. Um, I didn't want to make any big waves, so I, I didn't call the superintendent. The, the second week we showed up, the custodian only unlocked one room. Um, and I realized something was going on. And so as I talked with our leaders and we began to pray, we really began to sense that we shouldn't have our grand opening on that Easter. And so uh, we scrapped all of our plans and we, and we just went back to praying and the thing that came forth from our group, our core group of people, was we needed to grow closer together and we needed to grow with God. And so we were able to, to rent a local church at 8 o'clock in the morning. And we would gather and we would connect with one another and we would connect with God. And we grew uh, relationally and amazingly at 8 o'clock in the morning. We grew numerically so that when God made it clear that we were supposed to launch the following September. We were able to do it because we were completely prepared because God had the best plan for us. We couldn't see that. We had to trust that God had the best plan. Here's the third thing that we need to understand is God has a greater purpose. 
If you know the story of Joseph from the book of Genesis, you know that he was one of 12 brothers. He was, quite honestly, uh, rather arrogant and smug about his position in the family. He openly told his brothers that he was his father's favorite. And as the years went by, they grew to hate him. So much so that at one point, they sold him to slave traders. And he was taken off to Egypt while the rest of his family stayed in Israel. And the brothers made up some uh, uh, story about him being killed. And Joseph goes off to Egypt. Now, Joseph was, was a, a devout follower of God. And I'm certain during that time, he prayed that God would release him from his slavery, that he would uh, let him go. Uh, but it didn't happen. He was a slave. He eventually was, uh, found himself into the uh, household of Pharaoh, and he won Pharaoh's approval so much that he was given uh, control over all the lands of Israel, uh, excuse me, of Egypt. And, and Egypt was uh, growing crops and doing so well that they began to store a lot because Joseph had a dream where God revealed to him that there would be a great famine, and so they were supposed to store a lot of grain in preparation for that. But the rest of the Middle East didn't know that. And so Israel also went through that famine, and uh, Joseph's family was struggling, and they needed food, and so they heard that Egypt had a lot of food, so they came down to ask the Pharaoh if they could buy grain to feed their people. And when they came, lo and behold, they meet up with Joseph, but they don't recognize him. Joseph helps them, and in doing so, Israel is saved. And Joseph finally reveals himself to his brothers. And this is what Joseph said. You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. Joseph became a slave because God had a greater purpose. I hope you're seeing that through God's point of view, um, we don't always understand what God's purpose is. But when we do, we understand that sometimes we don't get the answer that we envision is because God has a greater plan, a, a higher purpose, a better vision than we do. So that's from God's perspective. So what do we do from our perspective when we get, a, when we get an answer that's not yes, that's either wait or no? How do we handle that? I want us to look at three things that we should do. The first is trust. Trust that God is in control. Trust that God is for you and not against you. In the Psalm, Psalm 25, we read this. All the ways of the Lord are loving. God's love for us is amazing. It, it's never ending. He, he will love us forever. In, in the book of Romans, we read this. We know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him. That's what Joseph experienced. So we need to understand that we need to trust God, that God's in control, that, that he will always be for us and not against us. Even when we have a sense that our prayers are not being answered, he still loves us and he's still for us. Here's the second thing that we need to do. When we struggle with not getting the answer or we're getting a no, we need to pray, even in the midst of our pain. I know that's hard, 
That's challenging, but we need to pray even in the midst. Look at Jesus' own life. I've already told you, remember that in Gethsemane, he prayed that God would remove this cup of suffering. In other words, his, his impending crucifixion on the cross. He knew what was going to happen, and he prayed. Let's look at those scriptures again. It says, going a little further, he fell on the ground, and he prayed that if possible, the hour might pass from him. And this is what he said. Abba, Father, everything is possible for you. Take this cup from me, yet not what I will, but what you will. There's this personal impassioned prayer by Jesus, you know, calling God Daddy, saying, you know, uh, help me. He's crying out to him in the midst of his pain, and he's saying, look, all things are possible for you, God. Take this away from me. But even in the midst of that pain, he was able to pray, but not what I want, what you want, God. So when we're not getting that answer that we're looking for, we need to pray, even though it's difficult. And this is the third thing we need to do. We need to expect that God will give us grace to handle that prayer that's not being answered, that, that God will be with us and he's walking with us and that he'll give us grace to handle whatever the feelings are that comes with that. If you know the story of the Apostle Paul, you know that he struggled with a physical ailment. There was something that created such pain in his life, such physical pain that he referred to it as his thorn in the flesh. I mean, that's a great word picture of what was going on. He was experiencing pain. And this is what he writes in this second letter to Corinth. He says, three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. For my power is made perfect in weakness. With that answer. This is what the Apostle Paul resolved. He said, therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weakness, in insults, in hardships, in persecution, in difficulties. For when I am weak, I am strong. Paul prayed. God didn't answer the way Paul wanted, but God said, my grace is sufficient. And Paul walked in his identity as a child of God, showered with grace, and he found the strength to be able to handle the physical pain, the emotional pain, even the, the spiritual pain. As God said, my grace is sufficient. God calls us to trust him. You know, prayer is all about a relationship with God. It's about connecting with him and trusting him and, and letting him speak into our lives. So I, I want to encourage you, uh, as you pray, as you experience a, a waiting prayer or even more, to just to trust God, to trust God and to continue to pray and, and to accept his grace as you do that. I want to close this message with a song that Dan recorded last fall. It's called Joy in the Letting Go. It's about trusting God that, you know, as we give him our prayers, that we 
let go and let him be God, that we trust that he's going to hear them and that he's going to walk with us through that. And then if he needs to, he'll, he'll hold our hand through that. So would you please stand as we sing this to God? So as we leave here today, we go as people of prayer and we trust God. We, we let it go into his hands and we trust it. And we walk in faith. As we come to a conclusion of today's service, if you want to pray with somebody, there'll be prayer team members up here to pray with you at the end of the service. Just come on up. I would encourage you to pray over the prayer request on the wall. And, and then I would also encourage you to connect with one another in the cafe. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you now and forever. Amen. God bless you. Go in peace. Thank you for listening to our podcast. It is our sincere hope that it has blessed you. For more information, visit our website at www.valleybrook.cc.